Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So, Dog Nation, I got a question for you before we get going here today. Are you ready to go for two and 22 on Monday night? I know that I am excited about being in Los Angeles and looking forward to trying to scarf up every piece of information we can get over the course of the next few days about how Georgia's preparations are going here in Athens and the state of Georgia for now, eventually in Los Angeles ahead of that kickoff on Monday night. For those of you who are making your travel plans and trying to get all that squared away, trying to get tickets, and trying to do this and that best of luck to all of y'all as y'all try to get all that figured out we're kind of doing the same thing around here there as well so hopefully we'll all make it hopefully we'll all get there and hopefully it's a party unlike anything we've ever had before as georgia brings home national championship number two that's what go for two in 22 is all about the second straight national championship for these dogs that's what's it on the line on monday and we are excited about all of that now as far as the preparations going on with this There was a very funny moment yesterday. And so yesterday was like the classic New Year's Day. Now, I didn't feel this way to me because we're coming off what we uh, experienced on Saturday night. And, you know, frankly, it was kind of a regular work day for me. Many of y'all were off. But I wasn't quite in the mindset of watching a lot of these other bowl games because the bowl game that mattered the most to me had already taken place. And pretty much anything after that did feel a little bit anticlimactic. We're going to talk more about what we saw yesterday coming up in a moment. But there was an ESPN College game day yesterday kind of leading into, you know, the the Rose Bowl there that evening. That's the site that ESPN was kind of broadcasting from. And so they brought on both coaches. We're going to hear from both coaches today, Kirby Smart and Sonny Dykes from TCU, about their thoughts, early thoughts here about the national championship hear more from those guys later on today too uh you can stay close to dog nation there on that but there was a moment between reese davis the host of game day and kirby smart the uh, obviously the, the the coach the georgia bulldogs they got to be pretty funny now those of us who know kirby pretty well from at least the standpoint of his coaching personality we're all very very certain that kirby is very locked in at all times to what's going on with the georgia bulldogs and he is not really all that into what's happening somewhere else he is laser focused he is locked in (laughs) he is absolutely uh not distracted by anything that's not right in front of his field division and right now that means the tcu horn frog so apparently yesterday that also kind of became uh, i guess something that the espn game day crew was aware of too because prior to the interview with kirby smart i guess kirby made it be known that he had no idea about anything that was happening there today which sort of led to a pretty funny moment with reese davis the host interviewing kirby smart on air kind of an inside joke that got some pretty good laughs to me this is kind of a nice thing to see from kirby here as he gets going on his national championship prep this from espn on yesterday I know you've been watching TCU tape already this morning, but quickly before we go, just how locked in are you on these New Year's uh, games being played on January 2nd today? Which one are you most looking forward to? Uh, that must be an inside joke. Uh, these guys, I asked them I asked them where they were broadcasting today because I had no idea where they were. And they told me they were at the Rose Bowl. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm pretty locked in because I hadn't set foot outside my office this morning until this. So I was pretty embarrassed to ask you guys where you were. But uh, I, 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 I'm going to tune in and watch a little of the Rose Bowl just to get a little relief. So I have to admit, as somebody who kind of does some of this kind of stuff, uh when Reese Davis first started going down the road of asking him that question, at first I was like, 
wow, Reese is really putting Kirby on the spot here. Somebody that just sort of does some interviews, you're always kind of aware of what it is that you think the other person may know or the uh, comfort level the other person may have with the conversation. You're always kind of aware of that. And so I'm listening to Reese Davis be like, hey, Kirby, which of these games are you most looking forward to seeing today? As if Kirby's like an analyst. And I was thinking, gosh, Reese is really going down, down, down kind of a weird path with Kirby here as I was listening to the interview. And then sure enough, I guess they'd had the exchange prior to that where Kirby did not know it was the Rose Bowl, did not really know who was playing at all whatsoever which, as I said, is all kind of really funny and very much in keeping what we'd expect from Kirby Smart. Kind of nice that you get the game day laugh there from the fact that uh, Kirby's so locked in on these Horn Frogs right now that he's not paying attention at all to what's going on there with anything else beyond that. So then later on, the TCU coach, uh, Sonny Dykes, comes on the uh, set and they get a little contrast going here in terms of how much Sonny Dykes knows about the uh, Rose Bowl and the other games being uh, taken place and how little Kirby Smart knew prior to that. This is also kind of funny. This time it's Desmond Howard who's asking the questions, but this was the follow up with the TCU coach to what Kirby Smart had said a little bit before that. College game day. Do you know where we are right now? <laughs> um... I don't know. Are you guys, I'm guessing maybe. Uh, listen, listen, Rose Coach. That's today, okay. Right? That's Bowl. okay. That's, that's a yeah, good Rose thing. Bowl. Okay, good job, <laughs> Coach. Good job. <laughs> so yeah. we had Kirby Smart on the show earlier, and he's been so locked in, dialed in, watching film of TCU. He had no idea where we are right now. So anyway, so you got to get catch up because you know where we are. That's not a good thing. Well, how about that from Desmond Howard at the end? I mean, a lot of George fans don't like Desmond Howard for a number of reasons, but uh, how about Desmond Howard there at the end saying, Sonny Dykes, uh, you better be careful because you know more about the Rose Bowl than Kirby Smart does today. That means you haven't been paying attention, as much attention to, uh, to, to your side of all of this as maybe Kirby Smart has on his when it comes to that particular game. But kind of some funny stuff from both these coaches there on uh, ESPN and kind of nice to see Kirby getting some laughs. There was also a, kind of a weird exchange between Kirby and uh, Pat McAfee, which <laughs> it's just really funny to hear Pat McAfee ask Kirby be smart a question because it seems like from a personality standpoint they're really really different but Kirby kind of got a little bit of a laugh going with him too so a little bit of a lighter side from Kirby on ESPN there yesterday but then eventually in the Kirby interview you did sort of get more into the the serious part of all of this and Kirby's thoughts as you do turn that page and sort of say goodbye to the Peach Bowl win against Ohio State as thrilling as it was and get ready for the business that comes next. And here's what we're going to acknowledge. Now, we're not saying this is more challenging for Georgia than TCU because TCU's kind of been through its own ringer here and they've been kind of going through a little bit of a gauntlet for a few weeks now, a couple of months now. But for Georgia, it is a hard page to turn, right? You, you win this big game against this, you know, tough team. You know, some people may have said Ohio State's second best team in the country. You know, Georgia earns that win there. Uh, tech, you know, some injury stuff there on the field. And now you got to just quickly kind of flush all that and move on to uh, TCU. Turning that page, not easy. It's not as long of a stretch between the two games you maybe have had in the past. But the challenge of doing that, Kirby was asked yesterday, hey, how do you get your guys ready? How do you reboot here? How do you get refocused on the national championship game that's coming up? And Kirby gave a very simple answer for exactly what it's going to take to get Georgia mindset-wise where it needs to be for TCU. And every Georgia fan's going to like this. Here's Kirby again. Winning the ring, that's the motivation. You got to get over that one quick and get on to the next one. Uh, you know, fortunately, we have a little time in terms of we don't have the uh, seven-day turnaround we had coming back from Pasadena back in uh, 2017 or 2018, whenever it was. But it, it's going to be a quick turnaround because you're used to having 28 days, and now this thing slides to seven, eight days, and it already feels like it's upon us right now. 
you may not have heard that at the very beginning, but what Kirby said there is, hey, the motivation here is about winning a ring. And what I love about that is, is how many times, you know, has Kirby had the idea of the national championship brought back up or defending the national championship, things like that. And at that particular time in the calendar year, it, was, it would not, in Kirby's mind, have been appropriate to talk that way. Talking about a national championship in August is not appropriate. Talking about a national championship during the season is not appropriate. At that particular time, Kirby would have always pivoted back to, right now, all we're worried about is whatever team George is playing in that particular moment, and that's what coaches do. But all of a sudden now, the only thing left is a national championship. And the idea of winning he didn't say this, but he could have another ring. The idea of putting a national championship next to the other national championship. That's all that's left to accomplish here. And that's the kind of thing I think that Kirby rightly uh, describes there as the sort of motivation that propels itself here that, yeah, you may be tired and yeah, you may be a little bit banged up. And yes, you have some some challenges, even just sort of emotionally, uh, spiritually rebooting yourself after what you just went through against Ohio State. But the prize on the other side of 60 more minutes of football is so substantial, so real, that of course you're going to be as fired up as you can possibly be. Of course you're going to be as ready for this as you uh, possibly can be. And I love that answer from Kirby Smart on the idea that now it's time. You know, a lot of folks, you know, didn't think George would be here. And a lot of times, you know, Georgia didn't even want to talk about this themselves. But all of a sudden now, they made the college football playoff again. They're 14-0, and and they are about to play for a national championship. So for 60 more minutes, Kirby says we can endure anything because of what we have a chance to win on the other side of this. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't some setbacks and some challenges. And one of those, once again, injuries, just like going into the uh, game against Ohio State in the Peach Bowl, there was concern about guys like Warren McClendon and Ladd McConkey going into the national championship game. There's going to be a handful of injury concerns, too. Most prominently, the uh, tight end, Darnell Washington, what his status is. I saw him on Saturday night walking around after the game. He had the walking boot on. Obviously, looked like he was kind of a little ginger uh, from all of that, but he's not the only one. You lost a lot of edge rusher, you know, outside linebacker, defensive end type guys during the game on Saturday night there as well. So during that interview on ESPN yesterday, Kirby did give us a little bit of a health status as to where things stand right now. And it's pretty typical Kirby, but nonetheless, this is Kirby with Kirk Herbstreet on the health of Georgia going into Monday. Hey, Kirby, one of the big concerns when, when we look at your roster and a physical game the other night against Ohio State is, of course, Washington at tight end, but other guys that got dinged up. How do you, I know it may be a little early, but how do you feel about the health of your team as you get ready for that national title game? We're hopeful to get uh, pretty much all the guys back. That's the hope. Um, we, Good. We, we, Good. we had a couple guys. Chaz Chambliss had a, uh, a knee that hyperextended. We're hopeful, hopeful to get him back. Uh, we, we had some guys drop in there for a little bit. We were on our twos and threes in some some spots. But some guys stepped up and played, and that's what you have to have kind of the end of the year. So the leaf blower thing, by the way, that you hear there is on the ESPN side there in Pasadena, which always makes me feel better because if you ever watch like some of our post-game shows and things like that over the years, we've been kind of uh... – We've been kind of befalled by leaf blowers and various, you know, pieces of garden equipment and things like that at times, making a bunch of noise and being a distraction. Well, that particular case there in Pasadena, I guess even Kirk Herbstreet and Reese uh, Davis and all those guys, I guess they're not immune to that there as well. But uh, that's Kirby on the subject of the injuries. And we'll actually hear more from Kirby Smart later on today as well about the injury situation for Georgia. I don't know how hopeful it is for Darnell Washington. I think you have to be very realistic with the possibility that you may see quite a bit of Oscar Delp in his place on uh, Monday. I hope that's not true, but I think you have to be on guard for the possibility that it might be true. And we'll just see what Kirby gives you on that. And as he said, guys like Chambliss and the outside linebackers as well, that also going to be important to watch. And then finally, there was this. 
So Georgia obviously gave up far more points to Ohio State than it's accustomed to doing. And the Buckeyes had far more success offensively than Georgia would certainly be willing to tolerate in most situations. And yet Georgia still found a way to win the game throughout all of that maybe self-inflicted adversity that kind of struck during that game. So David Pollack during the ESPN interview yesterday asked Kirby Smart, okay, so given all of that, what is the message to the team knowing that you won a game, which admittedly I think Georgia would say itself, it didn't play its best throughout the game. So what do you tell you the team after something like that? This is Kirby one more time. I told them that they're resilient. You know, the number one quality you want in a um, football team is heart and character. And both these teams um, embody those things. I mean, they've had a ton of comeback and really tight ball games. Our team has come back and fought in the fourth quarter. I mean, I think when you start looking at the, the character and the kind of identity of these two teams, they mirror each other in terms of the leadership at the quarterback position and the heart and soul of the team. So we just tell them, I was proud of the way they competed. Now we got to come here today and see the doctor and, and get some stuff fixed. So when Kirby says you got to see the doctor, he's not talking about a health thing right there. He's talking about more of an evaluation of your play. After the game film has been watched and broken down and the eye in the sky, which does not lie, what it says, but the way you performed. So George is obviously going to get back to work and trying to sort of shore up some things and be at its best for this national championship game on Monday. Kirby says, as we do that and talk about what went wrong, we'll also do so with the confidence of knowing, hey, we overcame a good bit of adversity and still found a way to win. And as Kirby points out, that if that's true for Georgia, that's actually even been more true for TCU this year. And I actually thought about that on Saturday night a little bit based on something that Kirby Smart said in the postgame press conference. He had said, you know, going into the second half against Ohio State, that he had some confidence that his team could come back and win this game because he had saw he had seen them and how they'd overcome against Missouri earlier that year. And it's kind of got me thinking, well, if that is true for George, if the Missouri game was a precursor for what they were able to do against Ohio State, as Kirby rightly points out, that may even be more true for TCU as well because TCU is now 6-1 and one this season in one-score games. And most of us are kind of led to believe, well, you can't have that much success in games that have that narrow of a margin. You know, A lot of that's just sort of random and luck, and TCU is doomed to fail at some point in time. But a lot of us who've been saying that throughout the season, we just keep being wrong. In fact, we were wrong again when it comes to the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan. At least I know that I was. So I think Kirby's words there at the end need to be taken a little bit seriously. There's no denying which of these two teams is obviously the more talented. That's Georgia. Yet there's also no denying that what TCU's been through this season is a remarkable run. You know, games in which they were predicted to lose, they just didn't. And games in which they were trailing in, they found a way to come back and win. And they have kind of shown that penchant for late game drama, finding a way to do just whatever it takes to get the win. If we say that about Georgia, you gotta also say that about TCU there as well. The point here is, I think the overall evaluation, the breakdown of what's going to happen between Georgia and TCU is kind of just beginning. The Horn Frogs are a, a little bit of a mystery team here right now. It's a little bit hard to diagnose exactly how they've gotten here, and certainly none of us would expected them to be here, but they are there now. Kirby says he's got, uh, they have his respect. We take him at his word on that, and yet we've also seen Georgia thrive all season long in almost every single situation. If they can thrive just one more time, if they can do it just one more time, they will be national champions for the second straight year. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Good morning to you, and by the way, Happy New Year 2023. Getting off to a great start for us here right now as the Georgia Bulldogs try to go for two in 22. You'll notice in the front of our desk, brand new desk image here, paying homage to the City of Angels, a little bit of a Hollywood-type theme there with the uh, go for two in 22 logo, taking on the look of the Hollywood sign 
on our way to L.A. That's where Dog Nation's going to be. And I mean, all of us, not just the folks here at uh, DogNation.com, but everybody that's a member of Dog Nation trying to get out west right now, it sort of seems like. So best of luck to everyone and safe travels as you try to do all of that. And of course, thank you so much for listening to our show as you're traveling, whether it be in the plane or, you know, those of you who are close enough to drive, whatever your story might be. Thanks for letting Dog Nation Daily be a part of all this and help narrate that experience for you. And of course, great thanks to all our sponsors as well who make all this possible too. I'm talking about our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. We've had a lot of rain here as of late. And listen, when you that rain comes flowing in, creeping in, all of a sudden you know for some of you, you got a little bit of a problem there at your house. You see it in the crawl space where it's not supposed to be, in the garage, down in the basement, those wet spots, that standing water in some cases, or that smell, you know, that, that smell sort of smells like where it's, things are just not quite the way they're supposed to be. That's what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is designed to help you with. They're a solutions-based company. That means not just for the waterproofing stuff, but for the foundation issues as well. You see cracks in the walls. You see that unsettled look down there at the floor of, of, of your basement oftentimes. You may see that there. All of those things are a sign that something may not quite be right. And deep down, you sort of know that's true. But it's also one of those things that's sort of easy to want to put off and maybe not have that con- conversation about what to do next. But I'm telling you, our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia are very easy to discuss all this with because it's not a pressure situation. They just want to help you solve your problem. And if it's a simple, small fix, they'll just tell you that. So, and oftentimes, you can do what needs to be done just by going to the hardware store and getting whatever. But if you've got a bigger issue than that, if you've got something more substantial than that, our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia have the word solutions right there in their name. That means they have an entire team. It's about engineers. Nobody else in our market can say an entire team of engineers that are ready to work for you and help solve your problem and protect the structural integrity of your home. That's why I want you to give my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia a call. You can dial 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They're longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. They're proud partners of UGA. I'm telling you right now, Jay and the whole team over there, nobody was happier on Saturday night when those dogs beat Ohio State than our folks over at Engineered Solutions of Georgia would have been. So they're really fun to do business with, and they are a great resource for you. If you've got the foundation issues, if you've got the waterproofing issues, Engineered Solutions of Georgia wants to help you with all of that. So give them a call today, 678-ESOG now. All right, we have a very busy show, as you might expect. Before we're done today, it's Jake Fromm. We'll talk some Georgia football with Jake on the heels of the win against Ohio State, obviously the look ahead to the national championship with TCU. Jake's been a part of a schedule like this before, so we'll let Jake tell us more about that. There was also a very scary situation in the NFL last night. We'll ask Jake, as a member of the NFL, kind of, what that community is responding to when it uh, comes to Tamar Hamlin. We'll talk to uh, Jake about that, too. Very serious situation that we obviously don't have a lot of new information about, but we'll ask Jake about his feelings about that before we're all said and done today there as well. And Connor Riley coming up in a minute, too. Ahead of hearing from Kirby Smart today, what we already know about the health of Darnell Washington and the uh, preparations for TCU. And also want to ask Connor just what he'll remember most from this uh, Peach Bowl win against Ohio State that we all just saw. We'll do a lot of that here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, how about Around the Doghouse presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union? And I told you yesterday on ESPN's College Game Day, you heard a little bit about Kirby Smart and the joking around, then Kirby gave you some important updates on the team. We also heard for the first time yesterday Sonny Dykes, who's done a great job, by the way, with the Horn Frogs here. We heard Sonny Dykes on the subject, I believe for the first time, on his thoughts on Georgia and kind of how 
how he sees Georgia and what the matchup means to him in the early stages here. So it was a part of Around the Dog Guys here right now. Let me let you hear the TCU coach speaking out on the opponent for the national championship game, Georgia, here for the first time. Well, the, the combination of size and speed. Um, they're very, very big up front, but those guys aren't just big guys. They're athletic. Uh, they can run. They can redirect. They're, they're powerful. Uh, when you look at their linebackers, those guys are side-to-side linebackers, yet they play very physically. Same thing in the secondary. A lot of length, a lot of guys that can run. Just a, just a very, very athletic football team. And, you know, they've sent a lot of guys to the NFL. I think this team will be uh, very similar. I mean, there's going to be a lot of these guys that will play in that game Monday. They'll go on and, and play in the NFL. And it's just a, it's a very, very good football team. Not a lot of weaknesses. I've gotten through most of the special teams so far. And very, very sound on special teams. Um, you know, they, they do what they have to do to win football games. They play smart. They play disciplined. Uh, they're obviously very well coached, and, um, you know, they do a really good job of playing consistently. The effort's there down in and down out. The effort's there when they're blowing people out, uh, which, again, is a real credit to Kirby and his staff. It's a very different game by feel than what the game against Ohio State was. You know, I think Georgia was the better team than Ohio State. Ohio State played very well on Saturday, but most of it was said going in that Georgia may be the better team. But I think even most of us who thought that Georgia was the better team, I think most of us would not have said, and Georgia has this overwhelming talent advantage against the Buckeyes. I think most of us would have said, Georgia may be utilizing its talent better, but I don't know that many of us who follow recruiting and pay attention to things like that, I don't know that many of us thought that Georgia had the overwhelming talent advantage against Ohio State. We thought that Ohio State, and the phrase you've heard me use before is, there are only a couple of teams in the country that were capable of giving Georgia a fair fight. Ohio State, from a talent perspective, was capable of giving Georgia a fair fight. All of a sudden, now we kind of shift back to a different kind of game again. One of the reasons why that Georgia is about a two-touchdown favorite against TCU here in this spot is because Georgia does have, by appearances, by measurable recruiting information, things like that, Georgia does have, by appearances, the overwhelming talent advantage against TCU. Now, that is not the same thing as me saying, it's going to be easy, Georgia's going to coast to an easy win. But there is a built-in advantage to begin this game that Georgia did not have against Ohio State. It's one of the reasons why some Georgia fans were hoping that Georgia would play TCU in uh, the uh, national semifinal because of the built-in advantage that Georgia seemingly has with its talent. Now, all of that is to simply say this. When you hear Sonny Dykes acknowledge some of those same things there as well, I think it's pretty easy to kind of draw a caricature of maybe what this game might look like, you know, it's a 3-3 stack for TCU defensively. You don't see that a ton. It's a offense for, for TCU that's sort of very much in keeping with kind of the classic days of the Big 12 a decade or so ago where everybody's trying to score as many points as they can. Max Dugan is this you know, kind of wild card at quarterback who's you know, doing it with his legs and kind of doing it with his arm, you know, kind of the, sort of the moxie type guy who's maybe not the world's greatest NFL prospect, but, but he's out there just giving it all, as all at the college level and who knows what to expect from him. He was a Heisman finalist here this year. Uh, got a very good wide receiver who's had, you know, I, I mean, on Saturday, what Johnston have uh, 160 something yards after contact or something, or I should say uh, after the catch. Um, th- this is one of those teams that in TCU that knows it doesn't line up and match talent with Georgia. So therefore, they're going to try to throw every trick at the book at Georgia as a way of negating some of that. And if you're UGA, this is one of those things where you got to try to find a way to make that talent advantage you have, that size, that strength, that even that speed advantage. You got to find a way to make that matter. You've got to you've got to leverage your advantage from the word go here in this game and not give TCU a chance to have its belief grow over the course of its over the game 
the way that it uh, has for, really, frankly, most of the season. Also, for everything you want to say about the wild game between TCU and Michigan, the fact is TCU actually led that game from the word go. There was never a lead change. For all the points there were, uh, the lead never changed hands. TCU led the entire time. So this is clearly a team that's earned respect, even for someone like me, that never quite expected them to win as much as they did. Eventually, they found out a way to do that. So whatever magic they found, the whole hypnotoad thing or whatever that is, they're going to try to throw that magic at Georgia on Monday night. But on the other side, Georgia's got to try to find a way to make the talent that Dykes just described to make it seem as prominent and real as ever. And that's really kind of the, the game within the game when it comes to the dogs and the frogs. Uh, coming up then that is around the doghouse it's presented today by our friends at georgia's own credit union and i said before listen we got a lot of folks trying to book a lot of things right now hotels and plane flights and new gear to be wearing out there in los angeles that means you're just spending money left and right you know it's a uh, uh, Christmas season's over, holiday season's kind of done, but listen, you're still kind of, you know, out there making all these great purchases to enjoy these dogs here as we stretch into the new year. And here's what I can tell you. The kinds of purchases that you're already making, the travel plans and the and the apparel, whatever it is that you're buying here right now, those things that you're already doing can be made actually more enjoyable, more fun when you use one of the Visa Signature and Platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. The reason is because when you're using the Visa Signature and Platinum card from Georgia's Own Credit Union, you're getting all kinds of flex rewards that can be used for really just about anything. I'm talking about you know uh, cash back, gift cards, travel, merchandise, so many incentives for using that Visa Signature and Platinum card from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. You can also get up to $150 just for opening one of these new cards. There are some restrictions that apply, so check out the website for more details. It's georgiasown.org. That's the word Georgia spelled out. georgiasown.org. And it's great to have Georgia's own credit union delivering and presenting around the doghouse for us here today. All right. So before we're done, we're going to talk to uh, Jake from the former Georgia quarterback, and we'll get some information, some insight from Jake on what to expect from TCU. I'd be curious to even hear how much Jake's even seen TCU here this season. This is one of those teams that you don't start off a year necessarily, you know, trying to figure out what time their game's going to be and nestling in to watch them play. But obviously over the course of the season, they became a pretty big story. So I'm curious from Jake, how much has he even seen of them? We'll do that there. I know he saw the Georgia Ohio State game and we'll talk about that too before we're all said and done. But before we do any of that with Jake from, let's have a conversation with Connor Riley here right now. The preparations for the dogs in Athens prior to going to L.A., the status of some uh, pretty key injuries, and all of the indelible memories from a win against the Buckeyes. Let's do it all right now with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So let's talk to Connor Riley here right now. Georgia getting to work for TCU. We heard some of this from Kirby Smart on ESPN's game day yesterday. We'll hear from Kirby again uh, before it's all said and done today there as well. So, Connor, what we have here is kind of a game week plus two days. So understanding that here on this Tuesday as you and I are talking, where is Georgia right now in its preparations for the uh, Horn Frogs? At what point of a typical game week are they in here at this moment? Yeah, they're probably in that Monday to Tuesday sort of range. Obviously, Bloody Tuesday was something the national media sort of finally picked up on uh, last week in, in their discussions of that. Seems going to head out to Los Angeles on Friday, uh, and that's obviously going to impact things in terms of their practice schedule and how they get out there. Uh, they will practice Saturday and Sunday out there. Obviously, Sunday being a more walkthrough type practice than you know what they usually do. 
So, uh, you know, it, it's a slightly weird schedule, but it is still close enough to where it's not exactly like the pre-Ohio State practices where you get a bunch of bowl uh, sort of reps to work on yourself and work on improvement. You're really focusing straight away on TCU and diving straight into them. Yeah, it's much more of a true business trip than the actual bowl games will kind of allow it to be. And before I uh, talked to you and I was, I was talking to the rest of the audience here, I was drawing, and admittedly this is a little bit of a simplified caricature, but nonetheless – you know, Georgia has the big talent advantage on paper in this game. I believe they've got to try to find a way to make that matter. And my assumption about TCU, and I don't mean this like a backhanded compliment or anything like that, my assumption is what they've been doing all year long is finding creative ways to sort of keep their opponents flummoxed. You know, uh, they, they just sort of do some weird stuff. The 3-3 three, three stack, you know, defense, you don't see a ton of that. I guess Mississippi State runs, but you don't see a ton of that necessarily. Some of the stuff they do offensively is kind of what I would think of in keeping with a lot of the Big 12, but maybe not the kind of stuff that you see on a, you know, all that regular basis down here is that you got to imagine that whatever coaching trick that Sonny Dykes feels like he has and he's ever learned, you got to think they're going to just throw it all at Georgia on uh, Monday night, which to me would lead you to believe that, boy, film preparation going into a game like this against an unfamiliar opponent, against an opponent that may feel like it has nothing to lose, that film preparation, that early preparation in terms of how much you can learn about TCU as quickly as possible, that feels really important for Georgia right now. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and this is a, a, a TCU team that, I mean, Brennan, I don't mean to bring up your, your porous uh, record in picking no TCU doubt. on our go with the flow this sure. season. I mean, if you didn't pick TCU games, you'd probably be running away with uh, with our little competition there. <laughs> uh, this is a TCU team. Look, they didn't have a talent advantage against Oklahoma, and I know Oklahoma didn't have the season in envision, but that was still a top-10 talented team in terms of on-paper talent, and TCU blew them out of the water. Everyone and their mom picked Texas to win that game uh, because of the perceived talent advantage, and TCU held them to one touchdown, and that touchdown came because of a late fumble. Uh, A lot of people jumped on Michigan thinking that game was going to be a blow because of the talent advantage they had there. Uh, This is a TCU team that is incredibly tough, both I think physically and mentally. They find ways to win games. Uh, You know, you mentioned sort of the Big 12-ish nature of their offense. Max Duggan carried the ball 15 times against Kansas State, and he carried the ball 15 times against Michigan. Uh, I don't see a lot of teams in general running their quarterback that much. And given how much we just saw Georgia struggle with C.J. Stroud's mobility and his ability to create with his legs, that's going to be something Georgia absolutely focuses on this week. And, you know, there's no Nolan Smith. Chaz Chambliss is limited in some capacity there. They're razor thin at that outside linebacker position right now. And I think Duggan's legs and how Georgia goes about corralling him and being more disciplined and getting him on the ground is absolutely going to be one of the biggest factors because I think he's a more potent and dangerous runner than C.J. Stroud is. And C.J. Stroud nearly won that game because of not because of what he did with his arm, which was incredible, but because of how he was able to extend plays with his legs. And if that is the case, that is going to be a major problem for this Georgia defense. I agree with everything you just said there. I absolutely do. And with that in mind, can Georgia still be aggressive with its pass rush? Can it send blitz? Can it can it send extra extra guy knowing that Dugan is probably as comfortable running as he is anything? And as you said, they want to run him multiple times. So do you have to be more careful with your pass rush because of that? Because frankly, the version of Georgia that doesn't have much pass rush is a really scary thought for me. So how do you still rush the passer without flushing a, a, run, a running quarterback into a very advantageous situation for him? No, Georgia's going to have to bring pressure with six because I, I don't know what you've seen this year that leads anyone to believe that this Georgia team can get home with four pass rushers. Uh, uh, you know, it's been very effective for Georgia when they bring six, and, and they're going to need guys like Schmelman and 
uh, Jermon Dumas Johnson, Javon Boyd, when he is asked to do so, when those guys come up as blitzers, they're just flat out, they're going to need to be able to get Duggan on the ground. They can't let him escape. They're going to have to take disciplined rush lanes and get there. Like we did see them do at times against Ohio State, they did finish the game with four sacks, but you know that, quite frankly, should have been closer to eight, nine, or ten, and there were so many times where it seemed like Georgia had him in the grass and, and Stroud find a way to get out of it. And so I, I think with Georgia, look, I mean, the reality is this is not the, the, the pass rushing team that we saw a year ago. You know, 30 sacks is, is a fine total, but it's not the 49 that Georgia had 15 games last season. And so they're going to need to be able to, to when they do bring six, because I think that's really the only way that they get pressure. And granted, it has been effective at times this year when they elect to do that. And I do think that Georgia feels comfortable enough letting their guys hang on the outside. I know everyone was roasting Keely Ringo, saying, what's wrong with our secondary? I, I thought Keely Ringo actually did a pretty okay job in that game on Saturday. Sure, there were one or two plays where he could have performed better. But when you bring six and you don't get home and you give a quarterback like C.J. Stroud, Max Duggan is every bit as talented as Stroud is, when you give them that kind of time, they're going to be able to find wide receivers, especially one – like for TCU, Quentin Johnson. Yeah. Look, I know he may not be Marvin Johnson or uh, Marvin Harrison. He's 98.6% as good as Marvin Harrison, and Michigan learned that the hard way this past weekend. So I, I think with Georgia, look, they're not going to be able to get pressure with four. That's just the reality that we saw against Ohio State. They're going to bring six, and when those extra rushers, whether it be Munden, Dumas Johnson, Bullard, whoever it may be, Chris Smith, Malachi Starks, when they come, they have to get home because if they don't, Duggan's going to be allowed to scramble around and find guys or create big plays with his legs. Well, I wanted to ask you about Quentin Johnson, the uh, receiver for TCU. You made the comparison to Marvin Harrison Jr. I am curious, you know, what you see in him compared to what we saw from Ohio State or go back to the great wide receivers that Tennessee has or maybe other guys that Georgia has seen. The one thing I noticed from the uh, Fiesta Bowl was I didn't see a ton of that game. I was trying to follow it as I was getting ready for the Peach Bowl, but Johnson had a million yards after the catch. You know, this is a guy that's had some big plays for them here this year, and at least against Michigan, a lot of that came once he had the ball in his hand. Yeah, he's a guy, in talking with my buddy Matt Jennings, who who follows this team closely, Johnson does a great job of, of taking, say, like a 10-yard curl route and turning it into a 25-yard game. And so if Georgia's going to sit on that, there's a possibility there for some double moves and some deeper shots down the field. Now, the one thing I do feel very confident about is Georgia doesn't give up a lot of yards after catch. They have excellent tackling corners in, in Keely Rigo and Kamari Lasseter. So while they may give up some yardage in the pass play, you know, even for Ohio State, as well as that passing attack was, a lot of those touchdowns, they were not the, the 60-yard, 70-yard bombs uh, that we saw downfield where, you know, missed tackles, sort of like what we saw with Johnson's last touchdown there in that Michigan game. It was, you know, 16, 20, 30-yard plays where a guy just gets open downfield because Stroud had a million years to throw. And so I do think, you know, the yards after the catch factor won't be as big on this. It'll just be, you know, Johnson is just a freak of an athlete. He is big. He is physical. Uh, you know, maybe not a, a true burner, but... He ran through that Michigan defense pretty well, and I think if Georgia is not on its A game, I think it's going to struggle once again to handle a top-flight wide receiver like it did on Saturday. Two-part question here. How healthy do you think Darnell Washington is? Do you think that Georgia is likely preparing to play without him on Monday? And if that's the case, and this is admittedly is uh, very spin zone-ish, uh, if that's the case, is there a chance they could spring Delp as a weapon on TC, Oscar Delp as a weapon on TCU in a way that the Horn Frogs may not be prepared for. I mean, what do you think about that other tight end situation opposite Brock Bowers for Georgia? I saw Washington after the game; he was in a walking boot, and it seemed, you know, 
I don't want to say, I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but it certainly seemed like this was a serious situation. So, I mean, what do you think about Darnell, and what do you think about life for Georgia after Darnell if he's unable to play? Yeah, we'll, we'll see what the situation is with Darnell. We'll get your usual Kirby Smart. We're hopeful to get him back uh, update today. Um, you know, again, it's, it's a shorter turnaround, and so we'll see you know, how quickly that ankle is able to heal. You know, maybe he's able to do a little bit in the, in the blocking game. I, I don't know how much he'd maybe be able to do as a receiver there, but and Oscar Delp is going to be a very good player. I have no doubts in that, but I think you saw at times in this game uh, against Ohio State, the drop-off from where Darnell Washington is as a player right now to where Oscar Delp is, is pretty substantial in my opinion, and, and, and so, you know, Delp I think does a lot of the same things that Brock Bowers does, and so since there's some overlap there, I, I personally don't think that you should try and target Delp at the expense of, say, a Brock Bowers. I think in big games like this, you need to get the ball to your best players. I mean, you and I said multiple yeah. times during the course of the game, where is Brock Bowers? Uh, I think he only had four targets during the course of the game. they got to do a better job of, I think, getting him the ball before even really worrying about what Oscar Delp, a guy who has played some, but but not nearly had the same level of importance to this Georgia team. Uh, you know, Again, and Oscar Delp, I think he's going to be a really good player. I spoke to Todd Hartley uh, at Media Day last week. They're excited about what he's eventually going to be able to bring. But Darnell was such an important piece of this offense. There's a reason why they open up in 12 personnel to start the game for every game because Darnell Washington is one of Georgia's best 11 players. And uh, Oscar Delp is not the physical presence right now, especially when it comes to the blocking aspect that Darnell Washington is. And, that, and that's not fair to expect him to be that because he's a freshman and Darnell Washington is a 6'7", 280-pound tank. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, looking back on the Peach Bowl, how will you remember it? What will you remember it for? You know, we're now a couple of days removed. What is still on your mind looking back on one of the most thrilling wins in UGA history? Yeah, uh, I, I just stunned, uh, truly stunned. Uh, you know, I, I thought that they were making that field goal until they didn't. Um, and then, you know, the, the mad scramble that came after that. Uh, I remember, you know, being down there on, on the field and in the locker room afterwards. Uh, I, there was a Georgia video producer who, you know, I've gotten to know and, and gotten to see. And we just looked at, looked at each other like, did that really just happen? And, and it did. And it, it's a credit to this Georgia team. You know, I've written and talked so much about the physical and mental toughness aspect yeah. of this team. And, and Javon Dumas Johnson gave me a great quote. Uh, probably, anyone probably would have quit on that game, but. Georgia kept fighting, kept chopping, kept finding a way to hang around, and they made just enough plays to come away with a win. Uh, you know, I, to me, that's the best game of the Kirby, or the best win rather yeah. of the Kirby Smart era in terms of what was needed to pull that game out. And really, it, it to me, it also speaks to where this Georgia program is, where it can play a C game against an Ohio State team that, at least on paper, is more talented, quote unquote, per if you use those metrics. Than it. it is one of the three most talented teams in the country. Played, a, in my opinion, a B-plus game, a very solid effort. I think C.J. Stroud, uh, I tweeted about this yesterday, You know, Joe Burrow, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, those are the best games that have ever, quarterbacks that have ever played against a, a Kirby Smart defense. And for Jordan to come out and win that game 42-41 in the manner in which they did, where they just kept fighting and were essentially perfect from the last eight minutes of that game on, I, I just think speaks to so much of what Kirby Smart has built in this program and how he has gotten it to this point where they're able to overcome a ton of mistakes in, in a semifinal and get to a point where they can win back-to-back championships, becoming the first team in the college football playoff history during its only nine years. But it's still impressive in the fact that Georgia can win back-to-back titles in a year where, you know, last year the big offseason comment was, oh, last year was a rebuilding year for, for Nick Saban and this Alabama team. 
I, I think we all agreed that it was a rebuilding year for Georgia this year, given what they lost personnel-wise from last year's team. And they've got a chance record-wise to be even better than that. And then very quickly, I, I don't think you can say enough about what the wide receivers did. Arian Smith gave Georgia the kind of touchdown it just doesn't get very much. Lad McConkey in the two-point conversion. A.D. Mitchell in what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown. That's a maligned position group. Kirby Smart talking about what Brian McClendon kind of challenged that uh, group with prior to the game, kind of matching, obviously, the attention that Ohio State, justifiably so, was getting coming into that you know, that's the position group, Connor, I keep coming back to is Georgia got such a lift from its wide receivers on Saturday night. Yeah, and it loses Darnell Washington. Um, it, it was not a monster game from Brock Bowers by his standards. And the guys just stepped up and made play after play after play in that game. You know, Karis Jackson's a big 35-yard catch late in that game. Uh, Dominic Blaylock and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint having long receptions on key third downs that ultimately turned into scoring drives. You saw this entire wide receiver room finally sort of show what we've talked and written about, where their talent is in that room. And for whatever reason, they just could not stay healthy and really get a chance to put it all together there. And they finally showed on Saturday that they could do that, and they could win in a variety of ways. It's A.D. Mitchell making a contested catch in the end zone. Arian Smith using his speed to get open downfield. Dominic Playlock making that slot fade catch on third down there. I mean, they win in so many different ways. They have so many different body types that allow them to do that. This is really the first game where any, obviously, Lad McConkey's not healthy, uh, and I think you saw that throughout the course of this game, but this is the healthiest this wide receiver room has been all season, and the fact that it was a difference maker, I, I think, shows the value in going out and bringing in a guy like Brian McClendon, uh, not to disparage Cortez Hankton sure. in the slightest, but with what McClendon has done with this wide receiver room in year one and gotten out of this group as he continues to build it up with what he has brought in over the course of this offseason, I, I think just shows the kind of value you have in going out and spending big to get big-time coaches, which I believe McClendon absolutely is. Yeah. And you saw why that was the case on Saturday. Connor, great stuff. Can't, read, can't wait to read more from you here today as Kirby Smart and uh, Sonny Dykes address the media here. We'll look forward to that coverage at dognation.com. I'll see you in Los Angeles here coming up there as well. Can't wait for a very fun next few days. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Really good stuff there from Connor Riley. We've got former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm coming up. First, though, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And, you know, last year we had a great Dog Nation cruise that turned out to be a national championship celebration, seeing what UG had done and kind of telling the story of how Dog Nation had covered that all year long. And, obviously, we're looking forward to our second-ever cruise with Dog Nation here coming up uh, this year. And we hope, once again, we're going to get a chance to celebrate what these dogs have done uh, here this season. On board Independence of the Seas, we're inviting you to be a part of it. Our friend Jessica Slater is a great travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also visit a website that she's put together called royaldogs.com. Uh, and at royaldogs.com, what you're going to see is all the special information about our second-ever cruise with Dog Nation. All the great food and entertainment and fun to be had on board Independence of the Seas, but also the special Dog Nation events. They're going to make this such a great time there as well. It is time to get booked up and ready to go on the Dog Nation cruise, April 24th through the 28th. Leaving from Port Canaveral, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, going to Nassau on the Bahamas. We want you to be a part of that there, and we're so thankful that so many of you have already kind of gotten locked in and ready to be a part of it. All right, want to do some SEC through stuff here, and I, I guess it's one of those things, before you get to that, you have to acknowledge the other big football story that's out there here today, and this isn't fun, and I don't have a ton to say about this by way of opinion other than to join with the entire football community, seemingly you know, kind of united in prayer here, 
for DeMar Hamlin. I was not watching the Monday Night Football game when the injury happened or when the situation happened that led to, I guess, what is now being by the Buffalo Bills described as cardiac arrest. I was not seeing it, but I saw the aftermath of this on social media, then ran to the TV. I thought the TV broadcasters last night did as good a job as can be done trying to narrate what an awful, scary experience this is. And to be honest with you, there are just some things that are so big, you sort of feel weird if you don't mention it. And so I just wanted to say this. I don't have anything new to add to this other than what's already been said. It is terribly scary. It is horrifying. We are so sad that Hamlin's in the situation that he is, obviously hoping for some positive updates on that. I don't have anything new to offer to you right now, but obviously we are praying and um, just very, very scary for a sport that we love. And an incident like this for a player who plays the game seems like a really fine young man. And so we're just incredibly sad uh, about all of that. Awkward to kind of transition back to the normal conversation, but we want to try to do that because as we mentioned off the top of the show, there were a ton of bowl games yesterday. And this was kind of the traditional New Year's Day happening the day after New Year's because of the fact that New Year's fell into Sunday and you had the NFL stuff yesterday, or should say on Sunday. But we did see two SEC teams earn victories yesterday. Mississippi State, I thought very emotionally playing in honor of the memory of uh, Coach Mike Leach, who, as you know, passed away a few weeks ago, had the really cool helmets. Uh, they get the win uh against illinois and then lsu just goes out and absolutely obliterates purdue so i was happy to see mississippi state win in honor of coach leach i thought will rogers the the bulldogs quarterback was very emotional after the game that was a very touching scene to see from him the other part of the lsu thing which was really interesting which was after the game the post-game press conference brian kelly was asked directly about an internet rumor that you might be aware of involving some kind of wild accusations against some lsu staffers one of the lsu coaches and uh some now former players there on that team brian kelly spoke out against those rumors now i don't think that kelly did himself any favor here because he used so many words it almost became a word salad and i think some people kind of took the message different than he intended because frankly uh kelly was just a little bit too verbose and kind of shooting this down but i think his attempt was to shoot down the rumors and if you don't know what they are you can go find them out somewhere else i think we have a little bit of a problem in the sec over the course of the last year or so that when a rumor is really entertaining to some people when it's really interesting and salacious and scandalous sounding these things really take off in such a huge way and listen when certain things turn out to not be true and one of these from a year ago uh within the last year i should say was i think pretty much completely shot down found out not to be true we sort of forget that there are lives that are damaged on the other side of this and in the lsu situation if we take kelly his word a lot of the rumors that were out there for him have not been true either. And so, you know, I have no idea what's going on here, but I, I do get a little concerned with how quickly very, very scandalous and salacious sounding rumors get blown up to the point where a guy like Kelly has to respond to this. He says it's not true. Uh, he says that all the staffer, at least the on-field coaches that were alleged to be involved in this are still employed. So we'll see what comes out next on this. But this, to me, has a little bit of a ring of, another story that happened in the sec a few months ago where i don't know i just think that people need to be very very careful here uh but uh, kelly did speak out against that yesterday and then finally a couple of other uh bowl games to mention here so usc lost to tulane yesterday i mean first you know new year six type win for tulane i guess since they were in the sec i guess i mean it's been well they had the undefeated season though when tommy bowden was coach and sean king so this is probably the best tulane team since bowden was coach and sean king was quarterback is that probably true they get the win there against uh, usc yesterday 
And Lincoln Riley was not too happy about it after the game. His uh, post-game press conference only lasted like three questions. I mean, it is so obvious that a guy like Riley would have never made it in the SEC. Had he stayed at Oklahoma and come to the SEC with the Sooners, or I think at one point in time there's been some thought that maybe LSU threw a bunch of money at him to be the replacement for Ed Orgeron. It is so obvious that, that, that Lincoln Riley just does not have the stuff required to be coach here in the SEC. He goes out there to USC, which from a media standpoint is going to treat him a lot softer than the SEC media is going to treat him down here. And um, uh, he only outlasts like three questions into the postgame press conference. He was kind of pressed about Alex Grinch, his defensive coordinator, who was also with him there at Oklahoma. Uh, total disaster there on that. And so you got a situation here where uh, where uh, uh, Lincoln Riley was definitely not in a very good mood after losing that game. And frankly, for all the hype that they had gotten during the year, Caleb Williams wins the Heisman Trophy. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley supposedly resurrecting this USC program. Here in this particular situation, when it's all said and done, you have the loss to, 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 to Utah that kind of knocks you out of playoff contention. Now you have the loss to Tulane in the bowl game. It actually ends up not feeling all that great of a year. I mean, clearly USC's better with Riley now than they were before he got there. But the idea that Riley's this hugely transformational figure, frankly, he sort of looks like the kind of coach that has just, just as many problems winning big games. Uh, as he had when he was at Oklahoma. So the Riley reputation takes a little bit of a ding here uh, after that game, and he didn't handle himself very well when it's all said and done either. And then uh, you have Penn State winning the Rose Bowl, beating Utah, the team that had beaten USC. And I will tell you, um, I know that Penn State lost the two games that really mattered, you know, the one against Ohio State, the one against Michigan, those those two big Big Ten games uh, Penn State didn't show up in. And frankly, going back to the beginning of the season against um, against Michigan, I sort of expected them to. But when it was all said and done, I actually think Penn State was a pretty good team. I thought it was kind of cool to see uh, James Franklin wearing the Franco Harris jersey prior to the game. Obviously, the former uh, Steeler and, and Penn State great passing away a few weeks ago. And frankly, I think when it's all said and done, Penn State was a pretty good team here this year. So they get the Rose Bowl win. We'll make that. Cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. With that, we'll transition to a Jake Fromm and do a Kroger Fresh Take with our great friend, the former Georgia quarterback. And Jake, there's so many happy things I want to talk to you about today. Georgia playing for a national championship, getting a thrilling win against Ohio State. But I do at least want to mention the, the scary situation from Monday Night Football last night involving DeMar Hamlin. I, I know as a player yourself, you join with the rest of the NFL community in thoughts and prayers here and, and just such a scary situation. So if you don't mind, before we move on to the happier stuff, what was your reaction to what happened on Monday Night Football last night? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Brandon. Uh, prayers up for DeMar. DeMar is actually a former teammate of mine at Buffalo. Mm. Uh, know him well. Uh, man, I, I'm just praying for him. I wish him the best, man. A very scary situation. and uh, Something we kind of take for granted sometimes playing uh, the game of football. Um, we know it's a uh, contact sport, a collision sport. Um, never really expect something like that to happen. Uh, my thoughts and prayers uh, with him, man. I just uh, pray for a, uh, a recovery. Yeah, please pass on our uh, prayers there as well. We uh, certainly are, are just our hearts are going out to everybody in that community for sure. And there's never an easy way to kind of transition back to the normal content. But Jake, this has been a, a wonderful weekend for Georgia fans. It was a thrilling win against uh, Ohio State. You kind of know what this feels like yourself. You once got a thrilling win against Oklahoma that kind of played out in similar fashion. But you also understand the game in a way that we don't, having you know played at such a high level and continuing to play at such a high level. What was it like watching this unfold on New Year's Eve? What did you think about these dogs against the Buckeyes? Yeah, uh, what a great way as a dog fan to start the year. Uh, man, uh, as the clock strikes 12, as the clock strikes midnight, uh, a missed field goal to uh, take you into another chance at a national championship is a 
uh, amazing opportunity. Um, I uh, I thought Ohio State played as well as they possibly could, and uh, I thought uh, we didn't honestly play all that well. Uh, kind of got lucky in a, in a few situations, and um, man, somehow pulled it through. I, I think it speaks to the resiliency uh, of the team, the maturity of the team, uh, being put in bad situations before. Uh, and being able to come out with a win, I thought the uh, the timeout by Kirby there on the fake punt uh, that Ohio State had uh, and backed up. I mean, that was a, a great call. Glad they did it. Uh, I think that was a game changing moment. Obviously, the quick strike to Arian Smith too. There's so many things you could talk about this game. Stetson played unbelievable, uh, and so did C.J. Stroud. So, man, two two great quarterbacks going at it, um, and what a just a, a great game. I, honestly, I can't complain about either game, the Georgia Ohio yeah. State game or the uh, TCU-Michigan game. I, I think the uh, the committee got it right, uh, maybe for once. Um, and we had two <laughs> unbelievable games. No doubt about that. Before we're done, I want to hear more of your thoughts on TCU there as well. But the, the game that, that's being compared to, obviously, said before, your thrilling win against Oklahoma, going back to the Rose Bowl at the end of the 2017 season. Listen, we know that Georgia's got a great defense. Y'all had a great defense in 2017. Georgia has a great defense this year. But every now and then, the script of a game just makes it feel a little bit different. What was it like for y'all back then, maybe similar to this Georgia team here right now, when you realize, oh, we're used to winning games, you know, in kind of a 30 to nothing type fashion or one of those games in which we know the defense is going to come out and dominate and maybe, you know, you know, we're not going to have as much pressure on us offensively. You know, what's it like back then to realize, no, this is going to be a really different kind of game where we have to score every time we touch it. What was the feeling, right. you know, for them, at, you know, maybe Monday or I should say Saturday compared to y'all back then where you realize this is just a different kind of game than we're used to playing? Yeah, I think the similarities in the game, uh, both were really good matchups as far as um, just the other team being able to match up really well, um, kind of equal opposites there. Um, and, you know, no similarity of being down at halftime, having that conversation at halftime, leaders stepping up. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, the mindset throughout the year, uh, just you're just constantly improving yourself week to week, week to week, week to week. Uh, to have the opportunity uh, that they did, they uh, seized on it, um, and it, it was just uh, it was incredible. It was a, uh, an unbelievable effort by everybody involved. Uh, not one person won it, um, but uh, some some players did play really well and uh, stepped up. Uh, the moment. And one of the things we were talking about before you joined us is the performance of the Georgia wide receivers. Now listen, I give Stetson all the credit in the world. I think yeah. Bennett once again added to his legacy uh, as prodigious as it is with the performance, but my gosh, you know, the Arian Smith home run touchdown, you know, A.D. Mitchell contested ball. I think the one thing we still haven't talked about enough yet is the big catch that Karis Jackson had. Uh, that's the guy you played with to uh, to yep. set up Georgia there at the 15-yard line on the game-winning score. I, I just, I, yep. I keep going back to how these Georgia wideouts played in this game. That may be the best performance that position group's had since Kirby's been at Georgia, maybe. Look, you could 100% make that argument. I mean, that quick strike uh, to Arian, uh, one play, 75-yard touchdown. Uh, man, that was a quick score. It was a very needed score. Uh, arguably, you could say that Ohio State was kind of getting into a quote-unquote four-minute offense, trying to burn some clock, not give the ball back. Um, and all that kind of gets thrown out the window when you get the ball back and they score one play. Now they're they're like, oh man, we got to shift gears back into scoring every every drive, and so um, I, I mean, just just the ability for the Georgia offense to overcome and adapt uh, the way they've done this game and then all season, um, being able to run the ball, be physical when needed, to be able to throw the ball, score points when needed. Uh, I think there's there's something to be said for that and be able to, to adapt 
no matter what the situation is. Let me try to squeeze in two things with you before we let you go. First of all, this, as a quarterback yourself, like the one thing that everybody's kind of playing around with their mind is, okay, you you got to score at the end to take the lead, but you're also scared about giving the ball back to Ohio State because their offense had been so successful all night long. As the guy that has the ball in your hand right there at that time, what is the balance between we got to score to take the lead because right now we're losing, but maybe we don't want to go in too big of a hurry? Is it all on you just got to score and let whatever happens happens? Is there a part of you right there that's thinking, well, if we can slow it down a little bit, if uh, you know, maybe that helps us on the other side? How much is Todd Munkin thinking about that? How much is Stetson Bennett thinking about that? In your own career, how much are you thinking about that in those types of situations? Yeah, uh, it's really tough. It's a lot easier to talk about after the fact than, than being in it. Um, obviously, in a perfect world, uh, you scored the game-winning touchdown as the clock expires, never give them a chance to go. Um, but uh, man, scoring a touchdown in that in that in that, uh, in that situation is just not—it's not a given. You, yeah. you don't know, and so um, you—if if they give you a chance for a touchdown uh, as a player, you, you got to go take it. Um, you know, as a coach, they can have those conversations uh, through the headset. Um, but for me, as a player, as I'm playing, man, my, my only thought process is to score, and then I got to trust my guys on the sideline of defense to go back out uh, and do their job because um, my job as a quarterback is to score points for my team. So that's my job. I, I think there's a, uh, a separation uh, from player to coach. Coaches, that's something that they can talk about. But then at the end of the day, uh, uh, you got to you got to score those points to even have a chance to win. You got to take it when you got it. Great stuff, uh, Jake. I want to ask you one more about TCU here before we let you go. Before that, though, remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm right now, the great former Georgia quarterback. And obviously, we turn our attention to 2023. Dogs have a national championship in mind, but you've also got some fun things to be paying attention to yourself, including a great experience for you and your kids on an event called Kroger Chef Junior. A couple times a month, Kroger does this, including this month on January 7th. That's coming up very soon, and the 21st there as well. It's a guided kids' cooking experience. We get a chance to see your kids make a food item. They get some cool stuff there as well. This month, the menu item actually is dumpling sandwiches, which sounds great for the month of January. Uh, Good stuff there. It's a 30-minute class. It's just $7 per child. And in addition to making the dumpling sandwiches there this month, you also get an apron and a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and box, and the dumpling maker. As said before, just $7 per child. Go to KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. It's where Junior spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R. KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more on that. So, Jake, I'm curious, at what point in time this season did you realize, gosh, this TCU team's pretty good? And uh, what kind of scouting report can you give us here on these uh, Horn Frogs uh, on Monday night? Uh, what do you expect from TCU against Georgia? Yeah, uh, I mean, the TCU, uh, in my opinion, Kind of like the uh, the NFL's Minnesota Vikings, where mm. they just, they're always in these tough tough games, one score games, and they always find a way to win it. Um, so you know they're tough, they're mentally tough, they're resilient, uh, and they're mature too in their approach, uh, being able to take care of business in these close games. So uh, I think it's a great matchup. I think uh, they have an underrated running attack, a run game. Uh, they have a receiver and number one who. Uh, looks like he caught three drag routes, took him to the house every time, beat everybody to the edge of speed. So, um, and then Max Duggan, uh, uh, Heisman runner-up, uh, he's playing well. He's a tough dude, man, a tough cat. And so, uh, I think it's a great matchup. I, I really do. Um, they out, obviously took it uh, to Michigan, had a month to prepare for that game, um, and put up a lot of points on the the nation's. Uh, really high-rated defense. So, they, you know, they were really high-rated in, in a lot of categories and, and took it to them. So it's going to be another test for the Georgia defense. 
uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they, they show up and um, not, not really put that much pressure on the offense to score another 40-point game. But, um, yeah, we'll see, man. I, I think it's another great matchup, and uh, it, it might be another high-scoring game as well. Jake, great stuff. Thanks so much for helping us preview this game. We're looking forward to that. Your insight, valuable for us. Enjoy your week, and we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to you here very soon as part of our Kruger Fresh Take. Thanks so much for your time. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brandon. Happy New Year. Good stuff there from Jake Fromm, and I do think his uh, evaluation of TCU is pretty spot on right there where, listen, somehow, some way, and we said this, uh, they've been involved in a lot of close games. They have been kind of on the ropes a few times, and much like the way that Georgia did on Saturday night, TCU's been sort of doing it all year long. Six and one now, I believe, in one-score games this season are these Horn Frogs. The other thing, and this is what we love having former players in the show, I think that Jake Fromm gives you a very real, very real diagnosis of what's happening there at the end of the game. And if you're playing Madden, you know, it's a little easier. But in real life, the notion of, hey, I'm going to try to score. I'm going to try to eat this clock prior to that. You just can't do that. Jake says, listen, it's not a given you're going to score. And if you're, lo- if you're losing, if you don't score, you, you lose the game. And so you just sort of do what you got to do sometimes, which is get the ball in the end zone and then sort of live with the consequences after that. I think that Jake's evaluation of that situation late game is uh, pretty appropriate there as well. We get some really funny golden shoes coming up to give you in a moment. Before that, though, I want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. You know, we love thinking about the great stuff going on here in the uh, new year. And for some of you, your big New Year's resolution is, hey, I want to get a new home that gets me closer to somewhere I want to be, whether it be family that lives away or some new job opportunity that you think is going to open up some great doors for you. And oftentimes, the big changes you make in life involve some sort of real estate decision house you need to sell, a home that you want to buy, and Berkshire Hathaway Home Services understands all of that. They believe the best time for new beginnings is right now, and to be frank, I believe there's no better time for a new beginning than right here as we kick off a brand new year. So talk to our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service. You can find them online at bhhsgeorgia.com. They've got branches all across our area. They've got uh, great agents you know, stretched far and wide across our state who understand the, the transaction process and understand really from contract to close you know, how you get a satisfactory outcome when it's time to sell a house or buy a new home or even with those commercial type projects. Maybe you've got a business and it's time now to to kind of get that storefront, kind of move from the home-based business to the more traditional commercial real estate type in investment. You think that's the next step to take your business to the next level? Our friends at BHHS George can help you out with that as well. Or maybe it's time to get the investment property. Maybe you've seen the TV shows, you've dreamed about this. Well, maybe in 2023, it's time to take action on that dream. And our friends at Ber- uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Service can help you with that too. So find them online, bhhsgeorgia.com. bhhsgeorgia.com. Great real estate agents. Our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Make sure you check them out today so before we play the fight song and wrap up here today we have like six golden shoes so i want to give some of these their just due so let's kind of see if we can start to create some good vibes for the upcoming week getting ready for a tcu laughing at ohio state uh let's kind of roll through some of these here right now golden shoe number one goes to our buddy mad dog who's always so talented he says uh this is available in stores all across georgia hashtag go for two in 22 it's the uh the lays potato chips the buckeye tears they are indeed extra salty I mean, listen, even some of their media types, you know, down here, we have a lot of very sophisticated Georgia media types. I'm not one of these, but there's a lot of very sophisticated Georgia media types who kind of, you know, they would never be caught dead, you know, doing some of the stuff that I mean, we got Ohio State people, you know, embarrassing themselves. 
on social media. They're still whining about this game. So, yeah, uh, Mad Dog's right. Uh, extra salty tears coming from uh, the uh, Buckeye side of things. We love that. Chris Godogs, 8419, shares Stetson Benning. The other day, he uh, kind of revealed the uh, pulled back the uh, like the pullover to reveal the uh, was the Death Row Records T-shirt. Well, what Chris says is I think we actually know what Stetson Bennett really had under that shirt. It was the Superman logo. So very funny stuff from Chris. Also giving the hashtag go for two in 22. I like that, Chris. Uh, how about our next one here there as well? So Clay shares this, and it's the it's the photo of Brock Bowers getting his hand down inbounds as his body literally levitates parallel to the ground. And Clay says, This is how much Brock ba- this is how Brock Bowers does push-ups, which is exactly right. But here's the other thing I was thinking about. And I wanted to actually pause on this just for a second. Y'all, that's yoga, right? I mean, we all laughed on Thursday because Georgia was doing the yoga before the game and ah ha ha Kirby Smart showing the media yoga. But that's yoga, right? I mean, you can't do that kind of body. Is it dexterity? Is that the right word? You can't do that kind of like dexterity and that kind of, you know, yeah, there you go. Like if Georgia's not doing this yoga, then I don't know that Brock Bowers is doing that kind of like, uh, what is it, the uh What's the what's the movie? The uh, um, I, I, you know, I don't know that Bowers is pulling that off. If George is not doing the yoga, I don't see Bowers on the screen right there. I saw Stetson Bennett a moment ago. But Georgia does this every Thursday. Everybody thought it was a big joke when they did this at the, uh, you know, the Peach Bowl on. You know, this was Kirby's way of getting back in the media or whatever else. Uh, but then lo and behold, come to find out uh, you got guys doing this kind of stuff in the games. I don't think you can do that without yoga. Because here's what I know. I've never done yoga and I can't do that. So therefore, I would lead me to believe that the yoga must be really helping Georgia. So I would say good stuff from Clay there on that. How about our next golden shoe here for a moment? Frankie Fibonacci sends this. This is from uh, George Pickens in the NFL. Uh, stepping over a man a la uh, Allen Iverson, one of my favorite things in the NBA back in the early 2000s when he stepped over Tyron Lue. Frankie Fibonacci says, did you see Mr. January? That was our nickname for George Pickens. Doing uh, Mr. January things yesterday. Go dogs. Go for two and 22. Yeah, listen, we love George Pickens, what he's doing there with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Frankie, that is very funny stuff, very much a la the answer, Allen Iverson. I think we have a couple more here to share with you there, too. So Georgia on tap sent this. And so I guess here's the backstory. 1938, Brentford beat Liverpool. It would be until 2023 until they would celebrate another win against uh, uh, Liverpool. And then what George on tap said, this is how long I want the Gatorator countdown to go. Stretching almost a full century. Uh, George on tap. I like the idea of that. That is indeed a uh, very good thing. And then finally, there's this from Ant Dog, 1980-32, who says, I got this tattoo after Georgia won the national championship, and I hope to be able to get another one here this year. And this thing is a work of art. He also gives you the hashtag go for two and 22. You see Keely Ringo with the interception. Can you imagine how good some more ink would look there for Ant Dog? A great Keely Ringo uh, tattoo. And then whoever the hero is, the upcoming game, getting that tattoo alongside that. Ant Dog, I hope to be able to see that myself for you and uh, hope to be able to celebrate with that with you very, very soon here as the dogs bring home national championship number two. Uh, coming up very soon. Great collection of golden shoes and a great way to wrap things up here today. So listen, y'all, keep sending them. Hashtag go for two and 22. We're going to keep that uh, message going and really try to push that between now and Monday night. We're all in Los Angeles. And listen, we're on guard from anything from TCU. Whatever the kitchen sink is, they're going to be throwing it at us. And I think as it stands right now, I think that, listen, there's not going to be any overconfidence from 
Georgia coaches, Georgia players. I don't believe there would be any overconfidence for Georgia fans. This is not one of those things where any Georgia fan is going to expect anything right now to sort of walk in and be easy. It's about, as Kirby Smart said, the chance to win that ring and do what is ever required to get that done. So that's what this week's going to be about. We'll hear from the both coaches involved in the game today. We'll continue to follow these preparations in Athens the rest of the week. We'll all be heading towards Los Angeles on the weekend. If you're on your way there, be careful. Hope to see you there. And we're just excited about what is to come here for these dogs as they try to go for two in 22. By the way, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators came up there a moment ago. We will remind them that 298 days from right now, another uh, piece of bad news coming their way as Georgia beats them down again. But first, there is business to be taken care of for national championships. So y'all have a great day. We will see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We will look forward to talking to you then.